This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. Good. Okay. Let's begin by turning in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. Matthew 9, 18. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your wonderful word this morning. It's marvelous, it's refreshing, it's strengthening, it's leading, it's bringing us to heaven. Lord, making us be more fully equipped. We pray you'd do that for us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 9, 18, this passage here on the In 918 through 22, this is our passage this morning. 918 through 22. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment, For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. It's our passage this morning. So you remember that in our last study, we saw that really the conversion of Matthew. Very simply put, not a lot of fanfare, just one verse, verse 9 As Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. That was it. Very simple. A command to Matthew, follow me. A response from Matthew, he arose and followed him. Now, we saw that Matthew had a very big house. He was a tax collector. He was rich for not so right, right means, never mind. He was rich, and he had a big house, and he, had a, and he put on a big feast, a banquet, to honor the Lord. 
And at that feast, he invited his fellow tax collectors, not so nice, nice people. They were hated. They were excommunicated from the synagogue. And so basically, and there were Pharisees there, there were sinners there. So basically, at this feast, like in the world, there were two types of people. There were sinners who saw themselves as sinners, and then there were sinners who didn't see themselves as sinners. And the Pharisees were part of that group who were sinners who didn't see themselves as sinners, and they challenged the Lord, as we saw, with this question of why. Why is your master eating with sinners and tax collectors, publicans? So it's a very active feast here that's going on. The Lord is telling the Pharisees how sin is a a sickness that needs a physician, and he is the spiritual physician. He's there to heal the sickness of sin. Well, this just opened up the door for the Lord Jesus to start to teach about, about the old way to come to God through sacrifice and the new way to come to God through mercy. And then as all this is going on, a lot of things are happening in this banquet, this feast here. There's this shocking scene of this group that really should have been the friends of the Lord. They're the disciples of John the Baptist and they step up and it was, it was such a surprise to see them align themselves with the enemies of the Lord, the Pharisees, and it challenged the Lord again with the big why. Why is it that we and the Pharisees are fasting often, but your disciples are not fasting? Well, that again opened up the door for the Lord to teach about the old and the new, the old as when Jehovah Jesus himself was not physically present with them that they could see, and the new, that now he's physically present there. And so a lot of discussion about old cloth being put into new cloth and wine being put into old bottles versus new bottles and so forth. And so right in the middle, right in the middle of this very spirited teaching, interactions, discussions, right in the middle of it, a very prominent person bursts into the room in verse 18. While he spake these things unto them, right in the middle, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Now, Matthew is very good at what he's doing here. He's really, as we've said before, Matthew, like all the gospel writers, is driving to a point. So sometimes distracting details about a situation and occurrence are not put in by Matthew. I don't want to say these are distracting, but we do get a little bit more information when we look at some parallel passage to this, Luke 8, 41. Luke 8, 41 gives us these details where it says, Behold, there came a man named Jairus. Ah, we have his name, Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. Oh, there he's prominent. And he fell down at Jesus' feet. Wow, that's something and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, more information, and she lay a-dying, so she wasn't dead at this point. And then when we look at Mark, Mark 5.22 for the other parallel passage, a little bit more information. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, so there were several, and Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. So she's not dead yet. I pray thee, come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall be healed, and she shall live. So we learn further in Mark 5.35, as he was on his way 
to go to Jair, the house of Jairus in Mark 535. While he had spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why trouble us the master any further? So what's happened here is that when he's at the banquet there, when Jairus comes in, the daughter's not dead yet. The daughter is at the point of death. She's lying there at the point of death. But then when he's on his way there, then someone comes and says, okay, she died. What's the use? All right, going back to the banquet. It's Jairus. Everyone knows Jairus. He's one of the most prominent rulers of the synagogue. He's a Pharisee. He's in the same group that have positioned themselves against the Lord as adversaries of the Lord. So now bursting into this banquet room is one of their own, a ruler in the synagogue, Jairus. And to the shock, and it must have been a shock, to the rest of the Pharisees there, Jairus doesn't just come in, he bursts in, and the first thing he does is he prostrates himself down to, uh, with his face on the ground before at the feet of the Lord. He's worshiping the Lord. That must have made them almost want to faint. And he, now he's begging the Lord, please, 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 come to my house to heal my daughter. Now, as we said, Matthew has gone to the point where she's already dead, but never mind that. He has only one daughter. She's 12 years old. Happens to be the same period of time, 12 years. So in other words, when this woman that we're going to come to in a minute uh, comes with her issue of blood. It started when, when this daughter was born 12 years ago. And so Jairus is there with this scene, worshiping the Lord at this feet. And all the Pharisees are saying, why? Why in the world is Jairus doing that? Well, it just goes to show us that it just takes a good dose of helplessness and fear to bring a person to worship the Lord Jesus. It did then, it does today. And this is Jairus there. And many people have come now to hear the Lord. This, you might say, was the Lord's opportunity. It was the great day. It was a great spirit going on in that, in that house. A lot of eating and discussion and, and people getting corrected and his, 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 people receiving his teaching or not receiving his teaching was really a great scene there in the house of Jairus. And like I said, all these people had come expecting to hear the Lord. They wanted to hear the whole thing. And then came this grand interruption by Jairus. And you know, it's interesting when you read this, that the Lord doesn't say, you know, to Jairus something like, you know, por favor, you know, can't you see I'm really busy now? I mean, don't you see how all these people have come to hear me now? And, and I can't just leave all these people disappointed. Look at them all. I need to teach these people. Later, later, I'll come and heal you. He doesn't do that. And that's very interesting because this is not what the Lord says. It's not what the Lord does. But he immediately responds and he leaves the banquet with his people. He's the guest of honor. He's the one they've all come there to hear and to see. And he gets up and goes, why? Because he hears the call of sorrow. He hears this father. This father is very sorrowful and it's his only daughter. She's at the point of death. And the Lord drops everything. He drops everything and he leaves the banquet and he leaves all the people there in order so he can go to the house of Jairus. You know what that shows us? That shows us that the Lord is willing to be interrupted from whatever he's doing to respond to a call of sorrow. 
the call of sorrow reaches the ear of the Lord. This cry of help that we give to the Lord never is viewed by the Lord as an interruption because the Lord saw it, took very careful notice of what this cost Jairus. Can you imagine this? How difficult this was, how humiliating this was for Jairus. It was humiliating for him to, Jairus, first of all, Jesus is over in this house. If you want him, you gotta go there. That house, that's the house of a tax collector. You expect me to go? No, it was hard for him to go find the Lord in the house of the tax collector. Furthermore, the Lord was with the sinners and the tax collectors in their, in their gathering there. That's what the Pharisees were accusing him of. It was hard for him to go there. It was hard for him to bow down and worship and beg the Lord in front of his peers, in front of his Pharisee peers. And the Lord took notice of all this. And as a result of that, the Lord calls an abrupt stop, halt, to the meeting to go with Cyrus. So the fact that the Lord was willing to be interrupted, it shows us that the truth of Hebrews 4.15, Hebrews 4.15 says, we have not a high priest. Now the verse goes on to say, we have not a high priest which cannot with the feeling of our infirmities. We could also think of it as, we have not a high priest that's not willing to be interrupted for us. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We should never think that God is too busy for us. Never think of what the rabbi told me when I was in junior high and went to the Jewish camp Pest Kramer in Los Angeles in Malibu. And uh, we all sat around the campfire one night and it was all a ask the rabbi anything question, you know, and everybody was like, whoa, what's gonna come up? So of course me, you know, I asked the question that you never ask, you know. Where was God during the Holocaust? Where was God during the Nazis? You know, and everybody's like, you don't ask that question. But of course, you know, I want to stir up trouble. So I said, where was God? And the rabbi said, oh, you have to understand, God is very busy. He was busy at that time. I said, if God was busy for me, I'm too busy for God. But that's the way my life started off. But anyway, this is not true. God is not too busy. He was willing to be interrupted. And Jairus has a faith. He says in verse 18, she shall live. You lay your hand on her. You come to my house, you lay your hand on her. She shall live. It didn't say she may live or give it a shot, give it a try. He said, she shall live. That was faith. So from that, we can just uh, uh, imagine, what, you know, Jairus is saying, come to my house, put your hand on my daughter, she shall live. You can imagine Jairus, he, he, he just about holds the hand of the Lord. Your hand, this hand, it's gonna make my daughter live. Come, you have such healing power in this hand. I'm sure you, you just lay your hand on my daughter, she's gonna live. You must come, you must lay this hand on my daughter for her to live. Now, we know from the previous history that we've been reading about here, there was a centurion, and there was a centurion who had a servant that was sick, and, and, the, and he, the Lord was going to the centurion's house to heal him, and the, and the centurion says, no, 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 don't come, I'm not worthy. Just say the word from wherever you are, and the whole universe shall be healed, he'll be healed, and that happened. But that wasn't what Jairus was, was thinking. Jairus was thinking, no, 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 he's gotta come to my house, he's gotta lay his hand on my daughter, and uh, of course he didn't, because he just had healed the centurion's servant without doing that. But what's interesting here is how the Lord is playing along. He plays along, okay. He's thinking, if that is the faith that Cyrus has, 
that I have to come to his house, that I have to lay my hand on his daughter, then I'll go along with it. I'll go to the house, I'll lay my hand on the daughter, I'll heal her. And what's interesting here is that the Lord didn't straighten out Jairus. He didn't, he didn't correct him and say, he say, Jairus, 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 haven't you heard that I healed the centurion servant without going to his house, without touching his servant? Jairus, I don't need to come to your house and lay my hand on your daughter. I can heal her right now. He doesn't do that. It's very interesting. He goes along with. It's so interesting because it shows how the Lord works with us. He works with us, with what we believe, because the Lord wants to bring us from faith to higher faith, from faith to faith, from a higher faith to a higher faith. Just as the apostles asked the Lord in Luke 17, 5, Luke 17, 5, the apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Jairus, if you think I have to come to your house and lay your hand, on, lay my hand, on, okay, I'll do that. But increase our faith. So the faith of Jairus, it needed to be increased. Our faith needs to be increased over his belief that the Lord needed to come there with his hand and lay it on his daughter. And the response in verse 19, and this is the amazing thing, how the Lord's playing along. Verse 19, Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. So that was the first behold, which is the surprise word in verse 18. Surprise, here's Jairus. Now comes the next behold, the next surprise in verse 20. He's on his way to Jairus' house, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garden, garment there. So now we have more details again about this woman as we look in the parallel passage, Mark 5, Mark 5, 24, Mark 5, 24. More information. Jesus, and Jesus went with him, said Jairus. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I might touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So this is a woman who was diseased, it says. She has an uncontrolled bleeding. It's been going on for 12 years already. It's not just uh, 12 years. It started at the time, like we said, when the daughter of Jairus was born, and it's, it hasn't stopped and she's gone to many doctors for help. She's paid out a lot of money. She's paid all her money for those doctors, and she's in a state of poverty right now, and the doctors have not been successful. They've not made her better, but she's, it actually says she's gotten worse since she's been under the care of all those doctors. <laughs> I won't say anything. Anyway, this woman represents a typical person who has had high hopes for that a cure, that they'll get a cure. But all those hopes have been dashed into a state of disappointment. She's like people today who have completed chemotherapy and they ring the bell at the infusion center and there's such a clinging to that term, cancer-free. I'm free of cancer, which is the same as saying 
Cancer gone. It's the same as saying cancer never again. And that's the hope that many have when they go into remission, but that when their remission doesn't hold, it all comes to a disappointment of, of hope. I've been there. I rang that bell. And I watched other people ring that bell. And this is what this woman represents, a disappointment of hope for a cure. And every time she went to a new physician, a new hope was born. This doctor is different. This doctor knows something that none of the other doctors knows. This doctor has a special medicine. This doctor has a special diet. This doctor has a special therapy that's going to be a cure. And for each one of those doctors, that hope has come crashing down in disappointment. And she refused to believe that there was just no hope for a cure for her issue of blood. Reminds me of the Iraqis in, at Grossmont Hospital when I used to volunteer on the board there for 11 years. And we used to, we were told what's going on at Grossmont Hospital there with the, you know, East County is really called Middle East County, right? So you got all the Iraqis there. And they would come, you know, when a family member would be sick and sometimes, you know, it's a small room, it's a hospital room, right? Sometimes 50 people would come. It's like uh, <laughs> they're in the hall, they're in the room, they're everywhere. And sometimes if a person is terminal, uh, the Iraqis uh, sometimes would not accept that the doctor could not heal their loved one. And there was actually some uh, points of violence. They would grab the doctor. You must uh, cure my loved one. We won't accept that he's going to die. So again, hope that's disappointed for, that the cure didn't come. So she's in a state of poverty. She paid out all the money. And... Um, and that represents people today, too. It's going to be food or pharmaceutical that you're going to buy. So this woman, though, is not ready to give up. She's not ready to accept her fate of having this issue of blood for the rest of her life. Oh, no. She's tenacious. She's a fighter. She's determined to be healed. And so what happens next happens very, very quickly, very rapidly. She sees a crowd. She looks at the crowd. She sees Jesus. She sees this prominent uh, Jairus leading him to his house. And when she sees that, she says, this is my opportunity. This is a, this is a, and she quickly hatches a plan. And you might call her plan the come from behind plan. And she's hatched the plan because she believes that the Lord has mercy and help available for her. She believes that. It reminds me, just like a little boy in uh, Wales, in Cardiff, Wales, Right now, down by the docks in Cardiff, is a very nice area. It's very upscale, but it didn't used to be that way. Cardiff is a mining town, and it was where poor people lived down there. So this little boy lived down there by the dock with his mother, and they were very, very poor, and he was dying. He was laying on his bed. He was dying, and the mother was just beside herself, and she came to her little boy, and she said, son, is it all right? Is it all right, son? Is it all right? And as he's dying, he says, is it all right? And her son said, oh, yes, mommy. Yes, Jesus has grace for me now. He'll take care of me. That's what he said. And the mother was a very cynical woman, and she said to the boy, Jesus, she said to the boy, her son, Jesus, he's too busy for taking care of people like us. We're poor people. He doesn't have time for us. And the little boy says, no, mommy. He said, Jesus has plenty for everyone. That's what he says. Jesus has plenty for everyone. That's the position of this woman She's poor. She spent all her money on these, these doctors. Here's Jairus, big prominent. Of course, he's going to go with Jairus. But she believes, no, Jesus has plenty for me. 
even me. And that's what drove her to seek help from the Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.